All right, let's open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, I love you so much, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to us by your word uh, today, Lord God. Um, I pray that we would hear what you're asking us to hear, Lord God, and we would change our lives because of your word. In your holy name, amen. 14 days of waiting. The scripture today reminds me of our current situation and the 15 days to slow the spread that we've all been talking about. Uh, I don't know if, what it was like for you, but for me and my family, those first few days were like snow days. It's like, hey, it's Saturday again. We all get to be home, stay around in our sweats and watch reruns of sitcoms. Um, but then after that, it really started to set in that this was... Uh, serious and this thing was going to last longer than just a few days of snow days. The last two weeks have kind of turned into a kind of an anxious time, an anxious time of waiting to see what was going to happen next. And I think we're all probably in that still as we go from 15 days to slow the spread to 30 days to slow the spread. Over these last 14 days, uh, we're still in this anxious period of waiting to see what may happen next. Maybe, maybe this is you too. I feel a little bit anxious, hypervigilant, a little trouble going to sleep, watching for updates daily, wondering when life's going to be predictable and normal again, just trying to ride out the storm and wait for it to pass. I've watched more news in the last two weeks than I've probably watched my entire life. Every day, waiting for the update, waiting to hear what one news channel says, what other news channel says, what's Dr. Fauci going to say today? Every day, just poised and waiting. Anxiety and hypervigilance are basically what happens when there's a constant triggering of your fight or flight mechanism, when it lasts for months instead of just minutes. Uh, I remember uh, last year, uh, Thad got pneumonia. And so, uh, I don't know if you remember the flu season last year. They were in this um, series uh, or this time when if you tried to go to the doctor, they would just send you home and wait for you to get really bad. And then you'd have to go to a doctor a second time before they'd do anything about it. I get it. Uh, Thad got sick. Uh, we went to the doctor. Uh, they gave us a prescription. Uh, four or five days later, he just got sicker and sicker. Now, I have the burden of knowledge because I know enough about emergency medicine to see when things are getting bad. So I checked his vital signs, and I did not like what I saw. And so I was so worried, and I was like, okay, well, we're going to the emergency room. We're just not waiting anymore. So I drove him up to the emergency room at night. Um, we went through the process there, and he got admitted. He had a fever. He was pretty sick, and he got admitted to the hospital. And so we got moved up to a floor, and by the time we got to the floor, he's just so tired and exhausted, and he's getting poked and prodded, and he, and he finally falls asleep. And so I'm watching the monitors, because I know what the numbers mean, and I'm just watching and waiting. So I just remember uh, standing there for 24 hours, uh, watching his sleeping body, watching the monitor, the vitals, waiting for everything to return to normal. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I wasn't playing with my phone. I was just waiting. Waiting for the nurse to come in, watching her face to see if she was concerned, watching her leave again. Uh, and then 24 hours, his fever broke. He started looking a lot better and he came home. But maybe you're familiar with that feeling now, that hypervigilant feeling of just waiting, waiting to see what's going to happen next. 
It's actually a biological defense mechanism, really. Um, and, and before you get crazy, when I talk about biology or science, what you need to understand is science isn't the opposite of God. Science is just the explanation of what God created. So it, it's all the same. It's not a counter thing. Um, but the biology of how you're created is it's a defense mechanism. When you're threatened, you can see it on the, the animal channels. When an animal's threatened, it doesn't sleep, it doesn't eat, it doesn't drink. It just focuses on what the threat is until the threat passes. It should only last seconds or minutes. That's the hard part with, you know, uh, the hypervigilance and those kind of things is that feeling lasts for a long time. But in real life, it should last seconds. Something crazy happens, a traffic accident happens in front of you, your heart starts to race, you tense up, your vision narrows, your adrenaline pumps, you handle things for about a minute, and then everything calms down, and they're okay, and they're okay, and then you, whoo, and you go back to life again. But when there's a constant threat, like a virus taking over the world, sometimes it's hard to slow that thing down and just wait. But here's an interesting thing that you may or may not know. That drinking water and taking slow breaths actually causes your brain to feel safe. Because that's what the body would do if it was going to feel safe. Your body tells your brain, the threat must be gone or you wouldn't have stopped to eat and drink anything. You think a zebra is getting chased by a lion is going to stop and take a drink? No. Take a drink and eat some food. You wouldn't do that if you were still under threat. Now God has designed you in such a way that if you will eat the bread of life and drink the living water, you will have peace in the midst of your storm. Let's look at Acts chapter 27 uh, verses 33 and 34. It says this. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival. Right now, wherever you're at, right now what we need is spiritual nourishment for our survival. So we're continuing through the book of Acts on Wednesdays. Um, uh, I believe uh, April will be the, uh, as we go through the uh, April, um, starting today and the next uh, four, four Wednesdays after that of April, we'll have gone through the whole book of Acts. And, and what's interesting is that we've been going through the book of Acts probably for two and a half, almost three years. And at this time, these messages is what God has for you right now. Uh, Ethan had said it last week. He said uh, it, that he had gotten those verses and prepared that sermon weeks before we even knew this was going to be a big deal. And I was actually just talking to Pastor Crystal earlier today about the same exact thing. That we're in the, a chapter where Paul is in the midst of a great storm. And he, his, his, and the Lord is working with him and speaking to him. And today, we're kind of in that same situation in our lives. So, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's still a prisoner. He's now on a ship headed to Rome so that he can plead his case before Caesar. The ship is now caught in a fierce storm that's lasted two weeks, and people are afraid. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. Now when neither sun nor star appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope we would be saved was finally given up. 
Let's look at our verses today. Acts chapter 27, verse 27 through 38. This is a continuation of the, uh, the story of the storm that Ethan had started last week and that we're continuing through today. So let's start in verse 27. But when the 14th night had come and we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took, uh, and they took surroundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took surroundings and found it had been 15 fathoms. Then, fearing lest they should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out the anchor from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair uh, will fall from your head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. And in all, we had 260 or 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Ethan preached last week, and you should go back and listen to it. It was really good. Um, There's two things he talked about that really spoke to me. The first one is that Paul believed God. And the second one is, are you living like you believe God and the promise of his word? Now, as we continue in this storm of these scriptures, Paul believed God. God, had, God has given us a word and promise, and that is our foundation and hope during this storm. God's word and promise. God didn't calm their storm. He calmed their hearts. The word of God is what brings us peace. Now, our storm right now, I was looking at updates. The hard part about giving you updates is that they're changing constantly. But I want you to recognize it this way. 14 days ago, two weeks ago, the U.S. totals were uh, 3,100 positive cases and only 60 deaths. Right now, today, 177,000 positive cases and 3,500 deaths. That's more deaths now than there were even cases two weeks ago. And the best case scenario prediction is over a million cases and over 100,000 deaths. That's what they're saying is best case scenario. It's pretty startling. It gave me some pause when I heard that number because I thought that can't be possible. Because <laughs> it's not what happens, but it's what's happening. So with all of this going on in the country, the only place that we're going to find peace and rest is in the arms of Jesus, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore we, uh, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceedingly 
uh, an internal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul believes God. And if you even just look at those statistics, we're talking about the things you can see versus the things you cannot see. The things we can see are alarming and have changed rapidly day to day. But the things we cannot see have not changed since the beginning of time. God is our support, he is our foundation, and he is what's going to see us through. The other thing is, are you living like you believe God and the promise of his word? During times of trouble and crisis, do you show, uh, does your faith show through? Or are you being a living example of how Jesus has changed your life or not? Uh, this week, and I don't even want to tell you the, the context of where this happened because it bugs me a lot. This week, uh, I was talking politics with somebody, which I shouldn't do, and they said that they hoped that Donald Trump would get the coronavirus and die. And I said, no kidding, oh, you, mu- you must be kidding. It's a drastic thing to say, right? It's a drastic thing for you to say that you want somebody else to get sick and die. I mean, are, we're still human beings, right? I, n- I know we've social distanced for a period of time, but have we lost humanity? Because I don't care if you like him or don't like him. Uh, I I have trouble thinking of anybody that I genuinely, legitimately would want to get sick and die. Right? God God can take care of anybody like that for me. I I don't need to worry about it. So I questioned it. Are you sure that this is really what you mean? And they're like, oh no. I said, you mean you just want him to not win the election. We'll get somebody else in charge. Nope. I want him to die. I hope he gets sick and die. This is the humanity we're dealing with. He's not a Christian. So if you're thinking like, wow, you know, what a terrible Christian. It's like, well, no, just what a terrible person. I think that's kind of consistent across all planes when you act that way. I don't care if you like the president or not. That's one perspective. Let's look at a different perspective. Last October, October 2019, a Dallas police officer named Amber uh, Geiger entered the wrong apartment and killed an unarmed man named Bothan... um, Botham Jean in his home. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison. The sentence was met with boos and jeers by the crowd gathered outside the courtroom. But Jean's younger brother, Brant Jean, in a victim impact statement after the sentence, told Geiger he forgave her and loved her as he would any other person. She shot his brother for no reason at all. He asked the judge if he could hug Geiger, and the two embraced, and Geiger sobbed. He said this, I'm not going to say I hope that you rot and die just like my brother. I personally want the best for you, Brent Jean, 18, said. I was going to say this, I wasn't going to say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what Botham would want. That's his brother. Brant Jean said uh, Geiger should give her life to Christ because that's what his brother would have wanted. The, uh, the Dallas County District Attorney said that Brant Jean's gesture was, quote, an amazing act of healing and forgiving that's rare in today's society. In 37 years, I'm trying to go back in my memory, ba- my memory bank to see if I've ever seen anything like that, and I don't think that I have. As you're conducting your business and you're going through your life right now, uh, in this time of crisis, I would hope 
or at least I would give you the chance to reflect on that the behavior you're displaying and that others are watching, is it glorifying God or is it showing that you don't have faith in God? When people hear you talk about the current COVID-19 crisis, are they wondering where you stand spiritually or do they know where you stand spiritually? Acts 27 verse 35 And when he, Paul, said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Paul lived out his beliefs, and even the soldiers on the ship listened and trusted him because of it. You see this this progression of Paul to where he's arrested, and he's uh, thrown in jail, and he's stood before kings and governors, and he's been slapped, and he's been insulted, and he's been strung along for years. Finally, he's getting to go um, to Rome. They're on this uh, ship, and at first, no one listens to him. He says, no, we shouldn't go. We should stay at this port. And they say, no, 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 we're going to push on. And then this giant storm happens. So they've been with Paul on this journey on this ship. And now we're at the point where we see that Paul tells the centurion and the soldiers, don't let those guys get off the ship. And they listen to him and they literally cut the escape craft off of the ship. Because Paul, the prisoner, told them to do it. So my question is this. What do you think has happened between the time Paul left Caesarea and got on the ship till the time they're in the middle of the storm where even the centurion would listen to him in the efforts to even take away their last earthly escape? He must be living out his beliefs. He must be doing those things that they at least believe that he believes what he's talking about. The people around you are watching you. Will your faith withstand the wind and the crashing waves? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be, the God, our, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, uh, in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I love that scripture because when you think, for me, probably not you, but for me, sometimes when I have something happening with me that's trouble or trial or hardship, I tend to get real focused on just me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Uh, nobody, he, I, I've heard this a few times that people say it and, and it still boggles my mind. Um, somebody uh, where no normal person could handle what I've been through. I personally have never been through anything that no one else on the planet has never not been through. I'm aware that whatever I'm going through, whatever hardship I have or what I could ever have, somebody else has already gone through. So let's just start there. But I do tend to tunnel in and focus in on just my own self, what I'm going through, uh, regardless of what other people are going through. Um, What's interesting about our current crisis is uh, many people are going through it. Um, I've heard, uh, you, when you look at the news, they, they have found these pockets, and hopefully not huge pockets, they've found these pockets of people who are not listening 
to the, the recommendations to uh, have social or physical distancing and to take these things seriously because they are thinking this isn't going to affect them. It, it's not affecting me, it's affecting somebody else. But one thing about this whole thing that, that, that I've been thinking about is normally with a big crisis worldwide, it's easy to say it's not going to affect me. But I think of all the people who have gotten sick who are tested positive like Tom Hanks, or uh, there's members of the Senate, there's basketball players, and, and even the Prime Minister of Britain, Prince Charles himself has tested positive for corona. So as I sit and think of my own little world, I'm forced to think of how many people are involved in this current world that we're in. And my God, my Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who's showing me mercy and giving me comfort, is the same comfort that I can give other people who are around me in the same situation. I can bring them comfort, the same comfort that the Lord's bringing me. If you have that perspective that this verse has, coincidentally written by Paul, then maybe you could think outside of your own bubble and how this is affecting you personally and look to see how it's affecting the community and see your opportunity to spread the love of Jesus and the comfort that Jesus has to the rest of your community. My final thing, my final point is this. Stop waiting for the storm to end. Take nourishment. Today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and not in eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival. Take in spiritual food to sustain you in this trying season. The verses like this, spiritual food, uh, verses out of the Bible, things that Jesus has said, things that the saints have said. Here's one uh, that is really good. Phil, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, maybe you've heard this one, but hear it today in context of what you're going through. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All the watching of the news that I've been doing is doing me no good in terms of bringing me comfort or giving me peace. It's not giving me any. But what can give me comfort and peace is letting my requests be known to God. Is living in prayer and supplication before the throne of Jesus. Being anxious for nothing, but praying about everything. And even though it would surpass my understanding to even explain to you how that works, apparently that's perfectly fine too. Because that can guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Another one is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I'll be honest, those numbers sound like some sort of uh, archaic video game. A game that you, that, there's a, uh, a phone app that I don't have anymore, but that, that used to be pretty popular a few years ago called Plague. And the whole point of the game Plague was to plant a virus somewhere in a country, try to keep it undercover long enough that it will spread enough that by the time people realize it's happening, it's too late. And your goal was to eradicate everybody on the whole planet. Your goal was to make this thing uh, 
so contagious, but not quite deadly enough that they don't close plane travel or boat travel until you can spread it to every continent. Once you get in on every continent, light that sucker up, make it as deadly as possible, and the whole planet turns red. We used to play this all the time. (laughs) The biggest goal, the funniest thing was to name this plague something goofy because at the end it would always say like the name of the plague has eradicated the world. And so you'd name it something like SpongeBob SquarePants has eradicated the world. And now we're living that and it's playing out in a similar way. It's really hard to wrap your mind around. But God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's the kind of stuff my wife will tell you. Whenever you start uh, thinking of negative things or worried about what's going to happen, she's always like, meditate on good things. Control your mind, you know? Give your mind over to the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Um, I was talking... um, Here's the reality, is that some people uh, worry about what's going to happen in the future and how they're going to prepare. And I'm not talking about like prepper prepare. Listen, stock your house with food and toilet paper. Build a whole shed for paper towels in the backyard, whatever you want to do. But what I'm saying is like mentally trying to prepare and even experiencing the, the a mental and emotional hardship of what could happen in the future that hasn't happened yet. Because they feel like it gives them a sense of control over where they're going. So they think they're going to have control over it. If they worry and fret about it now, somehow that'll make them more prepared for tomorrow. But the reality is, suffering pain today on behalf of a tomorrow that hasn't even happened is not doing you any good. It's not making your life any better. The Bible says, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will figure itself out. Today, cast your mind and your thoughts on the Lord Jesus Christ. Meditate on him. Capture every thought and give it over to the Lord. You've got to guard your heart and mind. Focus on the things above. You're setting example for other people, especially you, Christian believer. People know you. They know what you talk about. They know that you used to go to church every Sunday, and now you watch church every Sunday. They're paying attention to what you post on Facebook. Now is the season for you to show them how strong your faith is in the promises of God's word. And when they say, whoever you are, how are you getting through this? What's bringing you hope in this season? You should be able to share with them the, the, the bread, the food, the survival that God is giving you in the form of his word. Because the reality is this, you get to choose what you're going to focus on and spend your time on. If you're some animal getting chased by a a leopard, you're not really getting to choose. You know why? Because God didn't create you that way. But you, human being, you're created in the image of God himself. 
He has chosen you and he loves you and he's given you the ability to choose to focus on him and his glory, not on this wicked, wasteful world that has nothing for you. Believers and non-believers will both be encouraged by your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There will be many opportunities created for you in the next few weeks and next few months and years because of this current crisis, uh, opportunities created for you to share your faith. I want you to be prepared to do that. I want you to be prepared to let people know where your uh, hope comes from and where your peace comes from. Acts chapter 27, verse 36. Then they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. Jesus is the bread of life. True spiritual nourishment will only come from him. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. You know, as we're sitting here right now and we're thinking about the, the glass of cool water we want to drink after we, uh, uh, and, and the drink of water and the reading of our word we want to do right after this, Lord. If somebody out there right now, if it's you, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to him. Wherever you are, I want you to give your life to Jesus today. I want you to place your hope in him. All you need to do is repent of your sins, turn away from your wicked lifestyle, tell Jesus that he is your Lord and Savior, and you want to live for him. If that's you out there right now, wherever you are, within the sound of my voice, I want you to do that right now. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Make him your Lord. Do it right now. And if he is your Lord and Savior already, take this moment to repent of your worry and fear and tell Jesus that, he, that you trust him to be your uh, peace and your calm in the midst of this storm. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the opportunity uh, to be used by you, Lord God. I pray this message would go deep in the hearts where it's needed to be, Lord God. I pray that it would speak a lifetime of your loving care and mercy for us. In your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Remember to tune in on Sunday at 10 a.m. and then also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live Team.